actually about all these athletes actually Haphazardly is not one part of the strategy Gone Development It's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in The conferences, Pac-12 and Big 12 and the 10, SEC, ACC Win, 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 win It just kind of fades from there That's good Yeah, they said like a minute, so Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the uh, Mountain West The Mac that can flex Somebody is next Ivy League fresh Literally dope Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test Gee. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. Welcome in. This is episode 44 of the Devi Manual, the podcast which talks about players and strategies to help you succeed in your Devi and Campus to Canton leagues. This week, we got a very special guest that Joseph and I are really, really super excited about. First in, we want to welcome Joseph. Joseph, how you doing, bud? I'm good, Dwight. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been kind of a, kind of a weird, strange week, so it sounds like not as strange as yours, but hopefully we can get on and get on here tonight and get you a little bit of distraction, so... The very special guest that I alluded to in the introduction is Mr. Ben Eby, Ben of the Elite Seekers on the Destination Debbie channel. Ben, how you doing, bud? Man, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to be here. You guys uh, do a great job. And, you know, me and Joseph been talking for quite, quite some time about the Debbie world. So this is exciting to jump on here. We brought Ben on because I wanted to just talk about when I started Debbie Manual, it was supposed to be more focused on the strategy and stuff. And we, I've kind of gotten away from talking you know, we talk more about prospects every week, and I wanted to, to dive into Ben with a little bit about his process because, as Debbie and Campus Decanton owners, we're always we have to try to find an advantage. You know, everybody knows about Bijan Robinson, David Bell, DJU. Everybody knows those guys. You know, those are the guys that I mean, even the casual fan that just plays you know a little bit of Debbie in those leagues that have you know like twenty Debbie players. You know, those guys know these guys. So we want to try to find those guys that are farther down the list and, and the earliest earlier we can find him will get us a better advantage so and ben's one of the guys who has a couple podcasts i listen to and i take notes ben is one of them that i take notes so uh, i love listening to ben i like to have background on the players and stuff like that so that's one of the things that i kind of like because it's nice to know a little bit more about the players and where they come from so ben like how does your process start like where, where do you like what is when you dive into a class or a process how does it start yeah, so you know, I'll start a start off by saying, you know, I I played football into high school. I ended up stopped playing my sophomore year, so I didn't play like ultra competitive football by any means. I was a basketball player, I played college ball. I eventually became a track and a basketball coach. I did help out with some strength and conditioning for uh, high school teams as well, uh, from a football standpoint. So my mindset when I'm looking for prospects, especially early on in the game, is what what do they do as far as interaction with coaches? What do they do as far as interaction with fellow players, fellow teammates? That is is such a big piece of the pie for me, especially when you're going through thousands of prospects and you're trying to figure out which one of these guys has the elite traits that might allow them to make it all the way to the NFL level where they can be a fantasy producer for you or just be successful at, at the NFL stage. So the mental piece is so big for me. I have a lot of football traits that, that we go into and that I check out 
But first and foremost, I'm really trying to see, can I find film of them playing seven on seven? I find that seven on seven really allows you to look at that mental piece and that interaction a lot more. So seven on seven is very, very big for me if I can find film on a certain guy. Um, And then I check out their social media if I can find it. I just want to know what type of mindset are we working with, right? Every little piece of information goes such a long way. Um, so that one helps me out a lot. And then again, you're, you're dealing with, you know, thousands of prospects. If you're looking at guys coming in from the high school level into their freshman year in college, and then we're talking about freshmen moving on to sophomores, so I'm mostly focused on underclassmen. Well, I was going crazy just trying to sort through all these guys. So I kind of give a little taste of that on elite seekers, you know, as far as my process, because now I'm doing a series called the elite region series. And what that forces me to do is I look at state by state and I really dig in because every state's not loaded. Every state's not a Texas, a California, Florida, as far as prospects. So when you start to dig into these smaller states um, or the lesser known states or a state that's having an off year, it really allows you to dig in and, and try to find some of those diamonds in the rough because it's easy to go on uh, Rivals or ESPN or 24-7 Sports and just pick top guys only. But when you have to dig in state by state, it really changes the game. And I think it forces you to look in other areas for film, you know, for uh, as far as social media, as far as maybe potential workouts or all these pieces of information that are going to help you um, make the best educated guess as possible. Because at the end of the day, this is all a guess. Um, and try to understand who is going to be that potential elite player down the road. I like it, man, because that's usually like you'd mentioned the 24-7. That, that's kind of where I start. You know, I, I like that's that's where I get my first list, you know, and then I start watching. I try to find stuff on Huddle, things like that. I don't go as deep as you. Yours sounds almost a little bit stalkerish, but uh, <laughs> in, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing in there, honey? I'm, 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 watch, I'm looking at high school boys' Instagrams. Leave me alone, honey. Uh, so, yeah. but I get you though. Like, it, it's important. So, because you see those guys like that do the things like Zach Evans and Brew McCoy when they do the. You know, those are like, now we see them as red flags, but not every red flag is that glaring. That, that's cool that you do that type of stuff. Joe, or yeah, Joseph, where do, where do you find, like, where do you start? What's your start off point when you find guys that you want to look into a little deeper? I'm probably closer to your process, Dwight. I would say I usually start with the 24-7 composite ranks. Uh, one of the exercises I like to do is um, kind of chart out where 24-7 Rivals and ESPN have certain players ranked. I'll always go through the top guys. I'll pull up Huddle. I'll look at highlights. I'll look at uh, some of the other films in there that aren't necessarily just the highlight tapes if I can find that stuff. Um, But what I like to do is see if I can identify some of those players uh, where the three main recruiting services have uh, big discrepancies on. Uh, Try and dig into those a lot. Um, One of the things that Ben was talking about that I really like Uh, that I think is absolutely crucial but can be really challenging to identify is the work ethic and makeup of a player. No matter how hard we dig, we're not really going to be able to get a complete grasp on that sort of thing. And I think it's really important that players have that want to. A lot of times you can see that want to on on the field. It's the effort, um, like the relentless motor that you see, uh, you hear mentioned a lot with defensive prospects. 
particularly edge guys. But for like wide receivers and stuff, like I want to see them working to block when the plays go in the other direction. I don't want them to be taking plays off. I don't want to see them loafing around. Uh, here and there, it's fine. But I think when you're trying to chase the elite ceiling, like Ben's saying, you want to have players that truly love the game, and you can see that on their tape. But yeah, for me, I usually start with the list of the highest rated guys. I'll try and identify some discrepancies, dig into those guys a little more. Um, typically, I will look deeper at some regions that are known hotbeds like the Californias, the Texases, um, like those areas, Florida. I, I grew up in New Hampshire. I can guarantee you there are there are no college football players or high school football players coming from this area ever. But yeah, that's typically how I start. Um, and then as we get a little bit later into the spring, as Debbie drafts start progressing, you hear some other names get floated, and, and then I do a little bit more digging as we get uh, later into the spring. Yeah, one of the areas I kind of wanted to look a little deeper into, and the Campus to Canton guys had an article about it recently, about athletes. You know, the athletes tend to fall through the cracks because they don't fall apart. You know, they don't come come in as like a top wide receiver or a top running back, you know. So there there's some of those that fall through the cracks, and that's something I, I want to try to work on going forward to make myself better. So, so, Ben, what is something that sets you aside, like, other than you've talked about the mental makeup and the work ethic, like, what ex- what sets, what traits set you set aside quarterbacks, per se? Let's just say, we'll just break it down one by one. Like, what do you look for in quarterbacks that will set a, an elite quarterback from a just, eh, quarterback? Yeah, so I think when I'm looking for elite quarterbacks, and again, my show is all about, you know, going after the high-risk, high-reward guy, because at the end of the day, if you're going to win championships, you got to have some of those, those big-time players that are going to carry you. So uh, when looking at that, decision-making is going to be number one for me. Um, you know, there's a lot of great athletes, especially coming out of high school. You can see some amazing-looking highlights and, and things that make you go, wow. But at the end of the day, if you're a quarterback, you can't just run. Like, running is a huge piece of it. But you need to be able to make decisions and, and have that dual threat, true dual threat ability, not just, hey, I can, I can move the ball with my legs, potentially switch to another position or whatever it might be. So decision-making is always going to be number one. I'm looking to see, can they go through a couple progressions? And if I'm looking at the high school level, you got to be really mindful of what type of offense they're running because a lot of these high schools are going to be running extremely simple offenses where they will just you know try to hammer away at whatever is going to help them win. They might just run the ball down your throat the whole game and that works for a lot of schools so again i mentioned seven on seven earlier if you can check out any seven on seven film in the quarterback position that's great check out camps they're going to that stuff's great Um, arm strength is a big piece when i'm looking for an elite quarterback Um, not just can they throw the ball deep but are they able to you know get it there quick do they have a, a quick motion as far as their they're throwing um and can they really drive the ball that's big and then escapability it doesn't have to be a quarterback that can run for 40 yards every play. That's great. That's awesome if you can find that. But can they escape? Can they extend the play? Can they use your le- their legs well enough to create a threat and just make big plays happen that way? So those are the main traits I'm looking for when I'm looking for an elite quarterback. Yeah, I 100% agree. The decision-making is the biggest one for me because all the, almost all those guys, that's like when you watch Caleb Williams, that's one of the things you stand out. You know, he would roll out and he would see green and he was just gone. 
you know, you'd like to, I'd like to see him, you know, stand in a little bit more. Make sure he doesn't have a good read, wide open, you know, 60-yard downfield. You know, so those are types of things that I look for when I try to do quarterbacks. Joseph, are you in the same bucket with that? or? Yeah, I had written IQ down. Um, so there are a bunch of things that kind of fall into that for me. Decision-making is one. The ability to go through progressions. I mean, as we get further down the line in these players' careers, being able to make checks at the line, um, read defenses. I mean, some of these things are uh, basically prerequisites for NFL quarterbacks, but I think those are the types of things that I look for in college QBs. Then there are the obvious physical things like arm talent, athleticism, and accuracy is a big one. In general, I don't really think accuracy can be taught or acquired uh, unless you're Josh Allen. It's not really something that you never see. Most players will typically progress with things like completion percentage year over year, but I think there's a difference between completion percentage and catchable balls and really placing the ball uh, in, an, a, in an area that allows a receiver to maximize yak or something like that and placing them in these windows um, that really minimizes the defender's ability to get their hands on the ball. Um, so accuracy is one that uh, can be improved, but isn't really something that you typically see someone with poor accuracy become a tremendously accurate passer. So that's one outside of the obvious things like strong arm and like highly athletic players uh, that I like. And then lastly, really, uh, just the ability to navigate the pocket. Even if you're not super mobile, I mean, we usually like athletic mobile passers that can add value with their legs. Even if they're not mobile, um, I'm probably less interested from a fantasy perspective, but you still need to have the ability to navigate the pocket um, to be able to step up uh, when there's pressure uh, and just avoid oncoming traffic um, inside the pocket. Because if you're not mobile, you can't just be a sitting duck back there. That's kind of why I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Trask among many other reasons that I've kind of gone through before, but that that's probably the last thing that we haven't already touched on. Oh, he's got to get a Kyle, Kyle Trask dig in. Dig in. We have to, it's a, it's a prerequisite on every show. Mark that off on your bingo. Card. Hey, well, I, I guess I, I was on a show last night and, and I had to get the same digs in. So it, it felt, <laughs> felt right at home here. <laughs> All right, Ben, what about running backs, man? Like what is like, other than, you know, a nice thick steak ass, like Katie flowers says, you know, you got to have that, thick lower core so other than what what else are you looking for in running backs yeah so vision's number one for me um you know regardless of, of whatever type of offense they're playing in are they able to hit the right hole and just really pay attention and go after it are they trying to dance in the backfield or are they really just you know they understand where the hole's supposed to be and, and they're following it uh lateral agility is massive uh footwork do they keep moving you know i always look back to one of my Seahawks, and that's Beast Mode, who who just, no matter what, just kept his feet moving. He wasn't the fastest guy. He had good strength. He wasn't the strongest guy, though. But his his feet were unreal. So uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a smaller running back, a bigger running back. If you keep your feet moving, good things are typically going to happen if you have vision to go with that. Uh, strength at the point of contact is really, really important to me. Uh, again, some of these smaller running backs, I think a lot of people look at weight in, in a lot of situations and they just write a guy off, right? We see that so often. But 
some of these small running backs really are, are tough at, at the point of contact. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's low center of gravity. It's understanding how to get behind your pads. There's so much to it, but that is a big, big piece for me. Uh, receiving ability, again, looking at the high schoolers, you, you got to be careful not to just, you know, oh, they, they barely had any receiving yards. Um, we got to go ahead and, and uh, write him off as a receiver. That's probably not the case. Again, if you can find seven-on-seven seven film, a lot of these running backs that might not get very many receptions based on their offense in high school could be a wide receiver at the seven-on-seven seven game. So, you know, go just check that out and, and try to understand from camps. Read some more. Um, but receiving ability is nice. You just want to know there's that ability to grow and develop. And then frame. I'm looking at, a you know, it, they don't have to be a monster coming out of high school, but you want to see the right frame to pack on the right type of weight um, to muscle because that's going to help because these guys are taking a pounding and they are going to um, need to be durable to make it to the NFL level. Yeah, the, the frame is, is, is a really, really critical one, especially when you're looking because a lot of these guys come out and they're only 5'10", 180, you know, and you just want to make sure they're the right type of, you know, some guys can easily get up to 220. Some guys, you know, really struggle to even like to even break 200. So, that, that's really critical these days. So, Joseph, you got anything to add to that? Or Ben was reading directly off of my checklist. <laughs> um, I mean, literally the first thing I had on there was vision and instincts. You can tell right away when a player is a natural runner or not. Just to feel the backside mm-hmm. creases opening up and know when to cut back and hit a hit a lane. Uh, to see, to be able to see the lanes opening before they truly open. Um, I just think it makes a massive difference. And that's one of the the only traits that really can project you to fitting in any sort of running scheme at the next level. And I think that's absolutely critical. Um, I think there are a ton of really talented collegiate running backs that we see. Um, I think there are, are not very many of them that would succeed in in any team. I think there's very few that are truly scheme independent. And I think vision is one of the things that would help those those running backs really fit into any scheme so that's a huge one for me quick feet um, footwork lateral agility change of direction all of those things I think kind of fall under the same umbrella and one of those things to me is just the ability to create I don't really care if a player creates um, with agility or long speed or power and contact balance however they create I think is okay but I want them to to be able to create with one um, standout trait, whatever it is. And I think some of those things that Ben had mentioned, like the the lateral agility, the change of direction, the power, uh, player's pad level, uh, contact balance, all of those things are ways to do that. Pass catching, like Ben mentioned. You don't need to necessarily be an elite pass catcher. I think it obviously helps when a player is a natural receiver and is more of a threat as a pass catcher, like a DeAndre Swift type player, rather than someone who can simply catch the ball. Like someone, I think Max Borgie is an example of a player who has a million receptions in college, but isn't necessarily someone who maximizes his receptions. It's more of a, a scheme type thing versus a traits type thing for me. The ability to run both inside and outside frame, as Ben mentioned again, um, I don't there are a lot of guys that I really like in college, like a Jerry on Ely, who's 185 pounds and a Kenny Gainwell, who's probably 190 something. Javion Hawkins is another one. 
there are so many guys that are smaller that probably could be three down backs, but will just never get there because of their frame. Duke Johnson's a perfect example. I think he's the Miami's all-time leading rusher, 205 pounds, never got the opportunity to be a three-down bell cow at the NFL level. And it's not because he couldn't do it, because we've all seen him excel. But if you don't have the frame, you're rarely going to get the opportunity to do that. So that's a big one. Just the last three I'll touch on real quick because I've been rambling. Um, Burst, play speed, and stamina are the last three that I really like. I don't really necessarily care what a player's verified testing times are. If I see them on the field and they're breaking away from um, defenders at the second and third levels of the field, I don't have concerns about their long speed. Burst, um, just the acceleration to get through a hole at the line quickly and maximize those gains, turn them from a three to four yard gain into a seven or eight yard gain. That's a huge one. And in stamina, you don't want your guys coming off the field every few plays. So I just went on for a while. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add, but those are really the main things at running back that I look for. And it's my favorite position to evaluate, so that's why I talked for so long. <laughs> and now we go into what, what I think is one of the harder ones to evaluate is quarter is running back or gosh, wide receiver. Because you see huddle tapes and of like two star guys just, just torching the living hell out of high school offenses because our defenses because i mean there are not good defensive backs there are very few defensive backs that are good in the nfl and then let alone college let alone high school so i mean a lot of guys look very good at wide receiver in high school and a lot of these offenses or defenses don't see the type of passing attacks like ben mentioned you know like my high school we won several state championships and if we passed 10 times in a season i would be surprised like as we usually would pass when we got to the Silver Dome because that was the when somebody finally realized, hey, we're gonna run right, run left, a la Tecmo Bowl style. That's how we. That's how our high school offense ran, you know. But it worked. So a lot of these teams don't see, you know, elite wide receivers. So Ben, how 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 do you break down wide receivers in high in high school, man? It's got to be tough. Yeah, this is actually my favorite position to um, check out and scout and. Um, for wide receivers, the release is, is one of the biggest pieces for me. Um, can they explode off the line? And this probably comes from my track background too. It's something I, I consistently worked on with, with my athletes. Um, it's something as an athlete, you should just be able to have a, a knack for. It's something you can improve, but if you don't have a, an explosion or a quick twitch muscle to get you off of that line, it's going to be the rest of going to be really really tough especially as these defenders these dbs get better and better they get bigger they're faster they're stronger each time you go up a level um so that's going to be massive can they handle press coverage with strength or footwork i don't care how they do it you know joseph mentioned there's a few ways to win as a running back it's the same for a wide receiver there's there's multiple ways to win at the end of the day i want to see them win at the release point separation and routes um, this is something that is a little bit trickier to to watch for early on in their stages because a lot of these potentially elite wide receivers might not have played a whole lot of wide receiver at this point in the game. They might be a, a big physical athlete that, you know, eventually the football coach got them to come over and, and join football from the basketball team potentially or, or whatever it might be. But they got to they got to show some natural instincts or some great technique to separate in their routes, whatever those routes are. You know, maybe it's just a guy that is, is a deep threat, and that's okay. Um, 
or it's a guy that is going to win in, in the short area, depending on the situation. So uh, I really look for separation. I want to see that early. Um, you should see, you know, at some point in, in their film, the ability to do that. Um, contested catch and yards after catch ability is huge. Both of those areas are, are something that you're going to see in high school because a, they're either going to have a, a quarterback that's not the greatest so you know they might get separation but the timing might be off so they're having to uh, win a lot of contested situations that they might not normally have to do or the high school team you know runs an offense or knows that they have a quarterback that can't get the ball deep so they're going to give you the ball in in short area and allow the the wide receiver to do the work for them so those those areas are are really big when you're scouting the young ones uh, especially looking for elite talent because as we know the NFL is becoming a, a yak league. You know, so many guys that are coming out now are, hey, let's get them the ball in the short area and let them go to work. Um, and you still got your deep threats mixed in, but um, it, it's really fun to watch. And then the last piece is natural hands catcher. I want to see natural hands because there's a lot of great athletes out there that the ball just hits them, they get it on their body, and they go or they make drops. So the the natural hands, it ties in with concentration as well for me. Two areas that should show the ability to develop and continue to grow at the next level. But if you have bad hands, whether it's due to concentration or or technique or you just, you know, got small hands, whatever it is, that's going to be tough for you to become a, a con- consistent producer because at the Division One level, eventually someone will have great hands, will have great yak ability, and will steal your job. So um, that's that's a given for me. Joseph, did he read your notes again? That's pretty much exactly what I would have too. So, for the most part, release is a, a big one. Um, one of the, the first thing I had written down was separation, and like Ben said, it doesn't really matter to me how it happens. It can be through what we quote would call like elite route running at the high school level, uh, which when you're playing against guys that aren't going to be playing college football, I mean, I, I could probably run a, a good route and get open. Uh, But you want to see the guys do it over and over again. And having athleticism matters to me. Um, So chasing upside at the receiver position. I mean, you want, I have for years chased the size speed freaks. And I think we've seen fewer and fewer of them truly like get the sort of draft capital, capital that I've really been expecting. I mean, DK Metcalf, Ben, I know you're, the the biggest Metcalf fan I know. I mean, he was my wide receiver one coming out of high school in that class. He was my wide receiver one coming out of college in that class. And he was like the wide receiver eight or nine off the board in that, in the NFL draft. I, I still don't know why, um, but it feels like bigger, faster players are kind of getting passed over um, for the smaller, shiftier players that can create separation faster. So I'm not sure how to weigh that in my evaluation. I still tend to favor those bigger, faster guys that are able to win with quick releases, separate, catch the ball with their hands, and then do damage after the catch. So those are really the big things. I don't have a whole lot to add off of what Ben was saying. But one of the other things that I like to see is the ability to return kicks and punts and to also uh, take some carries. Um, whether those are jet sweeps or true handoffs out of the backfield, um, but more so at the collegiate level than high school. High school, I think you see the best players on the field get the ball in every imaginable way as teams are trying to win the game. 
but the transition from college to the NFL, I want to see these guys handling the ball uh, all over the field. So I, I just think the track record of those guys translating is really high. Dynamic players that can do everything from all levels of the field. I just think the more you can do, the more it benefits an NFL team, which in turn leads to higher draft capital, which leads to more opportunity. So it's kind of all intertwined. Very good. Excellent point, man. So yeah, these are all things. Um, do you guys even want to talk about tight ends? I mean, I, that's got to... Ben, do you really look at much tight ends in high school? It's 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 pretty tricky. And yeah. I heard you mention some Yeah, names, I got yeah. I got one word athlete that's all i'm looking for i'm just looking for the athletes at the end of the day you know you want a guy that can go out there and looks like a, a big receiver i could care less about blocking or anything else i'm looking for that just like joseph talked about you know i'm, I'm huge on the size speed freaks for wide receiver same thing for for um you know this position for the tight end position it's big uh, you know i can go back i don't know probably eight or nine years um i remember having a lot of conversations when i first got into dynasty with ryan mcdowell and he was like, man, just load up on wide receivers. The bigger, the faster, the better. Like, <laughs> you're going to win championships. And, you know, I've really never shied away from that. And so I think, Joseph, you made some great points. So when I'm looking at tight ends, it, it, you know, size is going to be important for me. But at the end of the day, I want I want a tight end that when I'm trying to, you know, find film, find, hi, find highlights, I'm having to sort through football and basketball or, you know, whatever other sport they might be in. Because those are the guys that are going to have the elite potential if they grow into something. Because it is tough. It's definitely tough to uh, scout the tight end. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, it, it's, it started with Antonio Gates, but that's, those guys are just, you know, that are that big and can move like that. The power forwards that play, you know, tight end and stuff. One of my favorite freshmen coming in is Luis Hansen for Michigan because you watch his high school tape and that kid's just a, he's athletic and he's just a bully. Just mean as hell nasty and i just i love that from a tight end and then combine it with athleticism so yeah that's fun to watch me I, I did say at the beginning of the show we, we talked about players too much we got to talk about players some and I, I wanted to throw together something kind of fun for ben this is my we're gonna go through the wide receiver and running back i call it the elite elite eight in honor of uh we're getting close to march madness and all that so we're gonna do an elite eight of running backs and wide receivers debbie prospects uh, I kind of went off some ADP rankings, kind of, you know, the consensus, kind of trying to figure out who the number one seed is, you know, down to number four seeds and stuff. So we're just going to do like a little bracket style to try to find out who is the most elite of the elite, you know, prospects. So just some kind of a fun little exercise to talk back and forth. The running backs, I came up with B. John Robinson as the one seed, Brees Hall two, Jameer Gibbs three. And then we're going to do a play-in for the four seed at, between Isaiah Spiller and Travion Henderson. Running, the wide receivers came up with George Pickens as one, Garrett Wilson two, David Bell three. And then a play-in for the four seed for Kayshawn Boutte and Traylon Burks. So which, which bracket you guys want to go first, running backs, wide receivers? Running back sounds good. All right, running backs. We're going to each – we'll each state our case – We'll, we'll vote. We'll kind of just whoever gets two votes or three votes gets to go on. So the play-in game here for the running backs: Isaiah Spiller versus Travion Henderson. Thirty seconds. Go. No, I'm just kidding. All right, <laughs> Joseph, what's your what's your argument for Spiller or Travion in this one? You sent out the show sheet, and I saw this. My first instinct was to go with Spiller uh, because I think in Devi, typically my philosophy is 
when two prospects are close or similar, just take the guy who will be in the NFL faster, accruing points for your team. And in this case, you get Spiller two years earlier than you'd get Henderson. Um, and I like Spiller, but I think he's the RB2 in a 2022 class that is okay at best. There are some names that I like, but I wouldn't consider the top end particularly um, outstanding. And I think Travion Henderson, even though he's only 195 pounds, I think he has the potential to be really, really special. Henderson could play wide receiver. I think he's that natural of a pass catcher. He is um, the just, I would say, elite lateral agility, and I hate using that word lightly. Uh, I think he has good long speed. He's just a truly terrific athlete with very good instincts. Great footwork, like I was mentioning earlier, as something I really like. And I think he has the frame to add 10, 15, maybe even 20 pounds somewhat easily. Even though you're waiting two more years, I think his ceiling is much higher. So I will take Henderson over Spiller. Yeah, so uh, I thought I'd be the only one picking the younger guys here, but I love Spiller. Uh, I think he's going to be a really solid three down back. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, he has great size. You see the receiving ability. Um, but again, I run a show called Elite Seeker, so I am looking for that next level trait. And I think Travion brings that. He's going to be part of a, like, how do you even defend the wide receivers that Ohio State has and try to keep an eye on? A talent like Travion Henderson when you watch his film it seems like he has a one to two second head start on the hike like it, it just because he's exploding so quickly um he, he has amazing feet um and, and I'll say he has elite feet um and that's what I think is going to allow him to be special people will be always down on, on these guys early on when they uh show under 200 pounds but we're talking about guys that just finished up high school so or they're still in high school right now as we speak um so Travion is is he has those traits and he's going to a big time school. Uh I love to see it and I think he's going to put on a show there for Ohio State. I'm going with Travion on this one. I totally agree. We'll we'll mark him on. I, I thought that was I thought it would be closer, but yeah, I, I'm totally in the same. I think as far as an elite talent, he, he's closer by far than Stiller, Spiller is. Not going to waste a lot of time on that. Had you made it a competition between him and tank bigsby i think we'd have a conversation i'm sort of kidding I, I do like tank more than i like isaiah spiller but you know tank tank was technically six but i thought travion made a much better argument and could potentially have more fun in the brackets so i, I put travion over tank just because of that like yeah, so that was on purpose. So, all right. The other play-in game, Kayshawn Boutte against Traylon Burks. Ben, who you got there, man? I got to go with, uh, and I love Boutte. Like, I think he he's a stud. Anybody that puts up over 300 yards in a, in a shootout uh, as a true freshman, that's that's incredible. Um, and I think LSU has shown uh, they, don't, they know how to pick him as far as wide receiver. I think Boutte is going to just be a, a star uh, for a long time he does so many things well i'm uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do with a full season as the guy rather than just three games uh but Traylon Traylon burks man just side speed freak he's such an athlete man and he's so smooth he looks like a giant running back after he catches the ball um yeah he's just he's just a man amongst boys out there and you know when you when you see someone like that that has the hands that he has it's special and i think 
he's going to be able to stay on the field because of that size. He, he'll run guys over. He'll run by guys. Um, I, I think he's sky's the limit for this guy. And, and this is one of those at six foot three, what over 230 pounds and, and just finished up the sophomore year. So special, special player. And I think Traylon has the potential to be an eventual, um, top five to top seven wide receiver at the NFL level. That's how highly I think of him. All right. Traylon's probably my, of this whole entire group. He's my personal favorite. So that that's who my vote's for. I just I love the athletic that size and everything. So Joseph, do you got something you want to say? Do you got Traylon or are you gonna make a case for Kayshawn? I'll take Boutte. Um I do love Traylon Burks. Uh he's a guy I've been on for a really long time. Really reminds me of Josh Gordon. I think I uh I was talking to Ray Garvin about that on Twitter a few months ago. And I think Ray landed on that comp for him as well. Um, and Josh Gordon is probably my all-time favorite player for a number of reasons. Uh, it's really sad to see what has happened to him over the last few years. Really hope for the best for him. I mean, in terms of on-field play, uh, dude is an absolute bully, um, size, speed freak, and Burks is the same. So I don't have much of a question in terms of Burks and his projection. I think he may be a little bit more raw but I just think if he hits, uh, he, he has a much higher ceiling than Butte. But I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least talk about Kayshawn a little bit. Uh, I think he's the clear-cut wide receiver one in the 2023 class, and I like that class quite a bit. I mean, he broke out early. He had that one game this year with, like, 300 yards. I think it was against Ole Miss. Ole Miss defense is garbage, so slight asterisk, but still to put up 300 yards against an SEC defense as a true freshman uh, is just outstanding. He's a great route runner. I think he's athletic. He can line up all over the field. I mean, he's the one thing I am a little, not necessarily nervous about, but when comparing him to someone that's 6'3", 6'4", and 230 plus pounds, Boutte is only 6'1", 185, I think. So in terms of frame, uh, he's a lot closer to a Jerry Judy type frame than uh, a true prototypical alpha type receiver. So I do slightly prefer Boutte. You get Traylon Burks in the NFL a year earlier, and I think his ceiling might be a little higher. So uh, I think that's who's pushing through here. Time for the play-in. Travion Henderson now gets to face Bijan Robinson. That's like not fair. It's really not fair. <laughs> ben, <laughs> do you got Bijan here, or is it is it? It's probably actually pretty close, honestly, but... Uh, this one's not close for me. I think Bijan has the potential to be um, a generational guy because of Sark going there to Texas. I already love his talent. I don't think people realize how great of a receiver he is. If you check back to his high school film, uh, he has multiple like ridiculously athletic one-handed catches where he just looks like he's out there trying to do his best you know Odell Beckham impressions and this is a guy that's over 220 pounds so we know Sark has no issue giving stud running back over 20 carries a game there's a really really cool uh class that Sark was teaching where um you can find it on YouTube and and feel free to reach out if if you guys don't have uh or can't find it, so I, I can find the link. But Sark talks about in the passing game that the running back is always the least defended player, so he really believes in, in getting them the ball. So if we truly see 
Bijan getting 25 to 30 touches a year. I think as you know, yeah, he's already number one in, in a lot of polls, but I think you're going to see his, his value and his stock just skyrocket. He, he's a stud. I think he can handle it. I love to see everything he does. He's extremely athletic. He, he's extremely strong. He's so fast. He's got that mental side. Like you watch him, he's a dog. Like he is so competitive. Um, so I love to see all those things. I love his effort. Um, you know, if, even if he's not getting the carry as far as blocking, uh, I think there's always room to improve on those areas, but, um, you know, from a mechanic standpoint, he's got to work on that, but this is a big dude and this is a fast dude. And, and if you're talking elite ceiling, this is a guy that I feel is a, as good of a shot as anybody to be one of the next top three running backs in the game. Right. I think he had, I think it was against Oklahoma. He had a kickoff return that he returned like 75 yards and got called back. Like why he was even returning kicks, it, it shows you a testament of what that staff, even though they were hesitant to use him this last year, they at least gave him a shot there. And, and he's just, he's awesome, man. He's, I don't know, Joseph, you got any counter argument there? No counter, just more praise. I think we talked the last couple of weeks about the 2023 running back class. I think it has a chance to uh, come close to the 2017 class that was, I think we can call it historic. I think the 23 class has a chance to rival that. And I think there's going to be a Saquon level talent atop that class. And I think that guy is Bijan. So um, in terms of prospects, I I think he has that ceiling. Um, I think he's going to be a top five startup pick um, a year or two into his NFL career. And I see him maintaining that uh, as long as he's, I guess, on his first contract. Since any time after a running back turns 25, we kind of kick him to the curb. But uh, Bijan, and I don't think it's that close for me. All right, so then I'll, I'll kick it to you then for this. George Pickens versus Traylon Burks. Who do you think is the more elite talent out of those two? Two guys with just a, a lot of dog in the way they play. You got Pickens or Bur- Burks? One versus four. I think Pickens is more talented, but um, if you gave me the choice 1v1, I would probably take Burks because I am less concerned about maturity and anything else that happens off the field with Pickens. Like, I don't want to judge these guys off their character when I don't know them. I don't know anything about what's been made public, but I know that there are some concerns around Pickens. I've heard nothing around Burks, and I think they're comparable talents. I think Pickens is better, but I I think they have similar ceilings. So I'll take the guy that I have fewer questions on. Hey Ben, was there any 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 um character concerns with Pickens before college? Because I know he had that last game his freshman year where he was kicked out for fighting, and he just uh, yeah. Were there any concerns in high school that you remember? Or? Um, nothing, no, nothing that we really saw until freshman year. Um, I wasn't digging as deep though for high school level at that time. So yeah, so nothing that was overly concerning. Obviously it started to come to light later, but even that, like I could care less, honestly, as far as if there's like an off field issue per se. But I think when you, you know, you have to try to figure out, you know what the validity is of it and when you're talking about college guys you're not going to have the whole story so now i i go over to like effort and how he interacts with the teammates right because now maybe maybe there's potential to um show that there's a trend here and and when you see him 
that is that's my issue there is you know a lack of effort on certain plays whether it be blocking or whatnot if he's not involved you're not going to see him go all out um you see him you know you just don't see guys like attracted to him and feeding off him it seems like when you're when you're checking out his film crazy elite talent and i hope things work out and i hope he gets eventually gets drafted to a, a situation where um, they kind of wake them up because these are, these guys are young, man. They're still maturing, right, mentally and physically. So you hope to see a guy like that get in the right situation where he will have the chance to mature and, and figure it out because the talent is is unreal. But uh, give me Burks because he just works his works his tail off and um and, and he's freaking thirty pounds bigger, man. So I, I love that. I love that size. I think it, it is important when you're trying to be a bully on the field. Loyola Marymount has taken out Kansas. The four seed has advanced. The four seed has advanced. If I could do a good Dickie V. Oh my God, baby. All right. Anyways. Well, yeah. that was pretty good. Um, before we move on, I, I would say I took Burks for the sake of this exercise. I still think Pickens is generally viewed in a higher light. So I think if you wanted to pivot down to, two Burks from Pickens, you could probably still get something on top depending on who in your league has Burks. So I think it's a matter of preference. I view them in the same tier, uh, but generally when I tier players, I'm going to take the one who I have less concern on. So um, that that's the one caveat I would note. Now we're in the two versus three. These are some good, couple good matchups here. Number two run, running back, Brees Hall versus number three running back, Jamar Gibbs. Ben, who you got? Who do you think's got the better chance of being a lead out of those that duo? Yeah, yeah, this one was tough. I think uh, you know a lot of people's favorite is going to be Brees Hall, but man, Jameer Gibbs is—he's fun to watch. Man, I really like his ability in the passing game. I think that just um, takes another level for him. His vision and his ability to cut on certain plays um, is where I think he's going to make his bread and just just take off so um being at georgia tech i think he gets forgotten about just a little bit but when he's on the big stage i'm pumped i love jameer gibbs um so we'll see we'll see how how it ends up but i i do like Brees hall a lot so this was a tough one for me this is uh i could see this going either way and uh Brees hall is probably the one that holds more value currently um but jameer man uh, some about his just his ability to cut back, his vision is that number one piece that I, I think is is elite and, and going to do well for him. Dwight, I will kick this one to you. I, I've been the second vote on all of these, so I'll let you get some words in and I'll chime in after. Yeah, I got Gibbs for the same exact reasons. Um, there's a, a the more I've watched Brees Hall, there are a lot of things to really like about his game, but I think it's been pointed out on several different podcasts and guys that I trust a lot too. If you watch a little closer, he doesn't have a lot of elite, elite traits. He's a very good running back. He's a very, very good running back. He does not have the long speed that I'd like to see. You know, he gets caught from behind a little bit more than you'd like to see from a guy that, that but his vision and his patience, and he's pretty smooth and he catches the ball as well. He's a very good running back. Like, I'm never going to knock him, and he's definitely my number one in that class. But I just don't see the elite upside of like a guy like Gibbs. You know, I think Gibbs has got, like Ben mentioned, the the pass catching, the the cutting. It's just there's certain things that he does just a lot better that I think he's got a good shot. And I'm hoping he kind of stays 
you know, like we mentioned, that whole class is is crazy talented. And him being in Georgia Tech and the ACC, maybe he'll stay a little tucked away. But I think us of us who know, we, we know he's there. So, um, but it's Gibbs for me, probably by a sliver. I, it's it was kind of a tough one too, but I just don't think Brees is an elite back. He, he's a very good back. I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. Um, I like Brees as well. I've talked about it on previous shows. He is my RB1 in the 22 class. I have comped him to Joe Mixon. I don't think he's as explosive, but I think they play very similarly. Smooth runners um, with good frames, very, very good pass catchers that play strong uh, with plus vision. I think they're similar in that way. I think Brees Hall has a very, very good feel for the position. And I think he's maybe a little bit more dynamic than he's given credit for. But you're right, he he does not have the long speed, and he's going to get caught from behind on those long runs. Um, I don't see the same things out of Gibbs. I think Gibbs has the higher ceiling because I think he's electric. But there's one small concern with Gibbs for me. That's why he's actually my RB3 in the 2023 class behind uh, both Bijan and Tank. And he he's 200-ish pounds, I think he can probably add some weight, but I mean, he plays at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is going to feed him the rock relentlessly over the next three years. And I don't, I hope he just stays healthy because he did miss a couple games. I think it was two to three games at the end of the season, nagging injuries. And I don't want durability to be a question for him at his size uh, because he, he's really dynamic. I think he has really special upside. I just... The frame worries me a little bit. So for that reason, I'll probably take Brees, but you guys both took Gibbs, and it sounds like he's moving on. Right, yeah. I am a little worried that Georgia Tech's going to beat the beat him into the ground because they don't have a lot of other stuff there. <laughs> it, it's the Jameer Gibbs show for, for a little while there. So this one's a this one I'm really curious. This one I think we might actually have a pretty good debate over. Uh, number two seed Garrett Wilson versus number three seed David Bell. Both 2022 eligible guys. Uh, this one's tough. This one is is really incredibly tough. We haven't seen a lot from Garrett Wilson. We have definitely seen it from David Bell, but Garrett Wilson, I think, was a higher, much more highly regarded prospect. So, where you guys stand on this one, Joseph? I'll let you take this one first. This one, I, I, I honestly can't make my mind up in this one. So, it's a tough one. I'm curious to see what you guys say. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I have David Bell rated. Um, one spot higher than Garrett Wilson right now. I think I have David Bell as my wide receiver one in 2022, but I, I have flip-flopped between him and Wilson and Pickens and Burks uh, all over the place. So uh, I think it's a very close tier. I think those four are the clear top four in the class for me, um, unless I'm just clearly forgetting someone. But it's those four guys and then everyone else. And... I like Wilson and I like Bell. I don't think either of them are like elite talents. I think they're both very good players. I just, I think I have fewer questions with David Bell. I think he's, I mean, he's a good route runner, but I think one of the things that stood out to me was his, were his ball skills. Um, was able to really contort his body, make some spectacular catches, always aware of where he is on the field. And I mean, honestly, I could say the same few things about Garrett Wilson. So 
Um, I think Garrett Wilson will probably have higher draft capital coming from the Ohio State program versus the Purdue program. Just what David Bell did without Rondell Moore in that offense was not quite the same level of production we saw from Rondell Moore in his uh, elite freshman season, but it wasn't that far off. And I, I think he could probably carry an offense like he had to in 2019. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on these guys. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, so, okay, I'll start off by saying neither one of these guys are ones that I believe will be elite. I think if you get these guys and they turn into, you know, consistent wide receiver twos, eventually at the NFL level, you're ecstatic. And, you know, neither one of them has just crazy top-end speed. I think, you know, what we're probably guessing, though, they're not slow. Like, I'm not saying they're slow, but they'll probably be in the 4 or 5-ish range is my guess probably both are similar uh david bell is gonna be a lot lot big a lot more you know a lot more size a lot more physicality to his game where wilson though he's smaller but i love his contested catch ability um you know you get some some dynamic play from him which i think will help but here is going to be the tiebreaker for me between these two i think garrett wilson you saw what you're going to get from him on a great team in a great year but they have a ton of talent that is is just continuing to fill in behind him. So I think that I don't think he's going to improve uh, his stock. I think you're going to probably get the same type of consistency. And when that happens in the Devi world, we get focused on the new shiny toy that seems to pick up some more touches and, and those kind of things. So um, when you're not that elite, elite talent. So David Bell is going to have a way bigger opportunity this year. Um, and with that physicality, I think you're really going to see him have a chance to um, ascend even more just just due to opportunity alone. So uh, for me, I, I, I'm i going to go with David Bell, but it's not a guy that I think is um, elite uh, and is, it's not a future of eliteness for me. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's why we, we kind of struggled a little bit. They're, they're both good receivers, but I just kind of worry about you – know, I think Bell's going to have a – I think they both have really good careers. I can see Bell having a little bit better of a career. I think he's a little more versatile, can do a little more. So I, I would go Bell, but I have a feeling this him up against Traylon Burks. I mean, are you guys both going Burks? I mean, we we all sound like we're pretty much in love with Traylon Burks, and he might come out of this wide receiver division here. So, Ben, who you got between Burks and Bell? Yes, Burke's easy for me because, again, he has that elite ability. Um, if it was Pickens that won, uh, I would be choosing Pickens easily as well over David Bell or Garrett Wilson just because of the ceiling. And that's what I'm looking for at the end of the day. So um, David Bell is a guy that obviously will have a great chance to be consistent. I think he will ascend this year. But if you know if I have him on my team, I'm probably looking to trade for higher upside guys that might not be ranked at that point yet. Um, and it and there might be some situations where people even have date David Bell, you know, similar to a Trey Burks or slightly above. So I'd I'd look for that for sure. Is there and just curious, guys? Is there another wide receiver you would have liked to seen in this in this little group here that could have challenged like a guy outside of the top five or six that could have challenged the elite overall number one wide receiver? I guess. And just to clarify something I said earlier, I, I talked about the clear top four in the class. Um, I did forget about Justin Ross coming back. Um, I don't have Ross above any of the guys we already talked about, but the ceiling's there, and if he's medically cleared, uh, he's someone to keep an eye on. And Chris Olave is also in the picture, who I do like quite a bit. I have him below the five guys we talked about, so no one to jump in. 
But I will say, had Keishon Boutte faced up against David Bell and Garrett Wilson, I probably would have taken Boutte. Just kind of a matter of how those matchups shook out, but I do like him uh, quite a bit. Yeah, because I don't like any of the freshmen coming in. I I didn't want to put... None of them I don't see as challenging any of these guys yet. There's a couple guys that that we talked about we like a lot, so... Jacory Brooks, you know, stuff like that. So there, there are a couple names that could, but I, I'm not ready to put a freshman against these five. So that's kind of where I was looking at these couple guys. So I like Brooks coming out of this group, and I, and I hope that, you know, he does really well this year and kind of cements his status because I think he's got, like we've talked about in the last half hour, a really good shot at being elite. Ben, who do you got between Bijan and Gibbs, is it? Yeah, so it's Bijan easy. Yeah, because I really do believe that uh, when this is all said and done, we're we're looking at a potential generational talent, um, and that's that's all you can ask for. It doesn't come around too often, but that's how highly I think of Bijan, and and that's how highly I think of uh, the offensive mind of Sark that will allow him to unlock that potential. All right, Joseph, you got anything to add? Bijan over Gibbs. The only thing I have to add is that I traded Bijan Robinson for. Um, a running back that I used to win a championship and I still regret it. <laughs> so <laughs> I know what league you're talking about. Um, yeah, tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough to get rid of any of these guys. So yeah, Bijan for me. And then we got Bijan versus Burks. I mean, that's, I think it's a landslide. I just wanted to see these first couple rounds shake out. I was kind of curious. I'll see how some of those battles, but I think Bijan's got a much more chance of being an elite, elite running back. Burks has, you know, got a, got a good shot at being an elite wide receiver, but I don't think it's going to sound kind of strange. I don't think his elite wide receiver is going to be like a Calvin Johnson, you know, crazy generational. He could be, but what, what we talked about, I think Bijan's got the chance to be like a generational talent. So I think he is the winner of the elite eight, the elite, elite eight. So that was kind of fun. I kind of figured he would win in the end, but. I was trying to put some battles there, get you guys talking a little bit. So, I like it. I like it. Maybe think. Maybe the next couple of weeks. Maybe we should do like. Maybe we should expand it out. Do like a sixty-four. Let's let's have some fun with it. No. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I love brackets and I love all this. So it was fun, man. All right, guys. With that, we'll wrap it up. Ben, um, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Like what you're working on, the Top Shot, all that. Let us know what you're doing, man. Yeah, yeah, you guys uh, can find me at the Ben EB. That's spelled E B Y. And uh, yeah, staying busy right now, just uh, jumping on as many uh, shows as possible. I uh, love talking football, and that's that's huge. So I appreciate what you guys are doing here, and and I respect you guys big time. So thank you so much for for inviting me here. As far as the NBA Top Shot world, yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I've been doing it since the last week of January now, which you know, in in Top Shot years, as we talked about earlier, is like. 47 years or something like that so i'm pretty experienced and uh yeah we were able to uh me jordan richards brandon uh gonzalez cottrell who we all help out over at uh destination debbie there um we're able to start a show called the nft block gang and that is uh over on youtube and then you can also check us out on twitter at nft block gang 
and we're having a blast we got a couple shows in the books already we do pack openings we talk to people about it we try to educate people we were already doing some zoom classes before just to you know try to teach and when your inbox fills up with questions about top shot we we got to come up with a way to you know not be answering all the questions all the time but try to be a little more efficient so that's what we did so some amazing graphics came out of it from dan made graphics at dan made graphics just a stud he's helped out done a lot for true north fantasy football and and we're fortunate enough to have him uh, on our team as well for nft block gang he's a he's a great partner on the team and um fun stuff so you know we'll continue to work elite seekers you know shout out to destination debbie and what ray's doing there and and i'm thankful to be a part of that team because it's really allowed me to grow this past year and i'm looking forward to getting to know more people in the community just keep going up from here yeah, I, I should have jumped in on one of those Zoom calls. I was, you see all the old guys on Twitter. I'm one of the old guys on Twitter. What's the top shot? You know, sh- shaking our out on the, <laughs> shaking my walker. I'm not getting into top shot, damn it. So I, I was a little hesitant at first, but then I'm like, you know, it is kind of cool. You know, like it's just a, the new avenue. It's kind of, it's interesting where the, the trading card world has gone. You know, it's, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. So. Joseph, tell everybody what's your. I know you're not working on much, but <laughs> what what are you doing on Twitter? What, what's going on? Man? Tell, tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at jnamore24. Am employed by DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I, I would say you can find my work there, but you can't find any work because there's no work. Just wanted to say, yeah, it was a blast having Ben on. Uh, Ben's a guy that I've interacted with for the last five years or so on Twitter been in a league with him ben built a team that was like absolutely ridiculously dominant in that league and it was a time where i was trying to cut down from like the 20 something plus leagues i was in um so i haven't been around for the last couple of years but um when it comes to chasing those elite ceilings and uh building a roster through strong debbie assets whether they're as trade chips or as players that you want to see just reach the nfl squad and start dominating uh, ben really does a great job identifying some of those guys. So make sure you uh, check out his show with the Elite Seekers and uh, Ray's stuff at Destination Debbie. Really excited to have you on. Had a, uh, had a blast. Hope our listeners enjoyed as well. Yeah, I don't think I found you, Ben, until about a year ago. But And I I don't know. I'm probably in a league with you. I'm in so many leagues with people that I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I passed across somewhere. But um, that's something we usually ask. How many leagues are you in, Ben? Um. <laughs> that's a fluctuating number i feel like um <laughs> somewhere somewhere north of 20 we'll call it that so i don't have the exact count in front of you but somewhere north i'm of trying 20, to keep mine around 20 ball. this year so yeah that, that's yeah. yeah i think that's a good number especially with you if you have debbie squads i feel like the debbie debbie and Cal, Cal campus can't don't take as much maintenance and that sounds crazy you know because the rosters i mean usually nobody hits the roster uh, the waiver wires it's it's worth a whole lot. So I feel like they're a little bit less work throughout the season. You know, there's definitely more work to build them. So fun. Good stuff, man. All right. You can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ, uh, Dynasty Nerds. We're rolling out some college campus mock drafts. Get some college campus ADP. We got some big things going on there that I can't quite talk about quite yet. So kind of working on some stuff there. Um, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Debbie Manual. And we will talk to you guys next week. Take care, man.